but yeah so marlon over to you and um go through. great well first of all it's a great privilege uh, to be able to speak at the conference um it's quite a huge topic um living a life of impact um i'm assuming that most of you dialed in have dialed in to either determine whether you are living a life of impact. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe you feel like you want to be inspired to have more of an impact. Um, maybe, maybe you think you're having a significant impact and you just want to validate it. And I think for most human beings, we're probably in one of these, uh, you know, categories. Um, and as it relates to myself, for those who don't know me, I'm Marlon. Um, I've been married for just over 18 years to a wonderful lady called Anna Oliver. Unfortunately, Anna uh, couldn't make it uh, today because she's in sunny Cape Town. She's flying back from South Africa this evening, but she does make a little video cameo. So she, she has got some, some thoughts to share. Yeah, she, she used up half of South Africa's internet bandwidth to get the video uh, to us, but uh, it made it safely. Uh, we, we have two children. Uh, we've got Camilla, who's 13, going on 27, and Kate, uh, who's 10, going on to 23. Um, I'm an early investor in a tech uh, company, and um, I enjoy building, uh, building businesses. And my wife is a teacher uh, and um, really pleased that I spent most of my life uh, trying to run away from teachers and I got married to one. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting ride to see God's plan for my life. And we've lived in various countries. We've lived in, we grew up in South Africa. We've lived in the UK and we spent three years in the US and so have you know have had the privilege to experience different churches and um, see how God's working across the world. Um, my initial thoughts when I was asked on whether um, I would do this talk was um, pretty worldly. My my initial observation was, am I, am I a person of impact? And then I looked at the schedule. That was the first thing I looked at, the conference schedule, to see who's speaking. Um, and I saw all these great names of the faith, and I was like, <laughs> I felt totally insecure. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to be talking about today. And the, the more I explored the subject of having spiritual impact, the more I realized that it's actually got nothing to do with us. And that's what I want to share with you today. Um, you know, it's a great topic because I think we're currently in the epicenter of change in the world. Most people I speak to currently are evaluating um, their purpose and their value system. Um, I think this pandemic has really shaken the world and I think capitalism as we know it is under threat. There's growing uh, public discontent um, about rising inequality. You know, there's heightened competition um, from economies with different models. We, we live in a world of cryptocurrency 
and soon we'll live in a world of metaverse. And I believe we've got someone on the screen today who's, who's busy creating our virtual world for us. Um, we also have existential threats like climate change, the pandemic, and the so-called great resignation. Uh, for most of you on LinkedIn, I'm sure when you dial in or when you log on to LinkedIn, you constantly seeing threads of, it's my last day, it's my last day, it's my last day. People are looking for something more. Um, and uh, I think people's needs are shifting. And most companies in today's world are suffering with what is known as the great resignation. You know, trying to, people are evaluating what is their value system and maybe this this pandemic has had some type of impact on you too and i think god has created this gap ultimately god's working in the background and he's creating this need and this thirst i don't know what you do to sort of quench your thirst you know sometimes i know people go on um, you know, we have different ways of dealing with trying to fill these gaps, you know, whether you Christian or not, I think we all have different habits. Sometimes to make myself feel better, I go on a shopping spree with my daughters. You know, I like shopping and buying things and not because I'm materialistic, but I love buying gifts for people, which is obviously a bonus if you were my daughter. And for those of you who who might be looking for a for a surrogate father? I'm more than happy to take 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 uh, some stuff. But the point is, is that we all try and fill fill ourselves with different things. And I think there's never been a greater time than now for Christians to have a positive impact in this world that's evaluating its value system. So, Francois, I don't know if you want to bring up the slide. Click on the next. So, so living a life of impact, and uh, my primary point is the fact that it's all about a relationship. So, if we can move to the next slide. Okay. So, just to make sure we all, I think we all probably two cups of coffee in already. It is 10, 10, 10, 14, maybe your third cup. If you're still on your first, this, this exercise is for you. So, what I want us to do in the chat is name the people that you know. And because we're all in the emerging category, I, I'm really pleased that I got the emerging category. It's the fresh new minds of the world. So maybe you could share some of the names of these people in the chat. And for those who get four right, I'm either going to send you a box of quality streets. I got about 50 of them for Christmas presents. So I'm happy to post them to you. And, I, and uh, for those who have issues with chocolate, um, I can send a Lumi fries or something like that uh, for those who, who, who like a more healthy option. So... Francois is going to monitor who can get up to four people. So put, put your, yeah, I think we can see who can, 
We'll run this for about two minutes. Come on, Heine, I know, I know you know these people. Jamie's challenged, I can see Veronica's thinking. Francois, you can't cheat because you saw the slides before. Bola, come on, I know you know some of them. Rislo, come on. Okay. You got about. You guys aren't doing very well so far. I'll just say that. <laughs> I think most are still on their first cup of coffee. So we count down to 30 seconds and then we can. Any last ones? Just chuck them in the chat. Any names you know? Hillary Clinton. That's amazing. Is that the Zach? <laughs> oh, excellent. Hey, Francois, I think we could go. I, I think it's clear that I'm probably going to keep all my halloumi fries and my quality streets, unfortunately. So if we, if we um, thanks for those who participated. Um, and the, the reason why I picked these was specifically because you've probably only ever heard of one or two. So I think most, there's a lot of people, they got Rosa Parks uh, correct. So for those who don't know Rosa Parks, she was the young lady who boarded a Montgomery bus on the 1st of December, 1955. And effectively all that she did, which was significant at the time, was not listen to the bus driver when the bus driver told her to get up from her seat and offer it to a white person and go and sit in the back of the bus where the black people needed to sit. Ultimately, this caused a significant, um, you know, uh, disruption. There was the Montgomery bus boycott, which was recognized as one of the most significant moments in the civil rights movement. Once again, just someone with some conviction, probably had a bad day at work, so her conviction was strengthened and stood up for what she believed in. Next one. Candy Leitner, and for total transparency, I'd never heard of Candy before I did some research. But unfortunately, Candy had a 13-year-old daughter that was killed in a car accident. And the problem with this car accident was that the individual that caused the accident was under the influence of alcohol. And it was the second time that they were caught drinking under the influence of alcohol. But unfortunately, at the time, there was no real law to protect um, or convict anyone who was under uh, driving under the, lim the higher limits of alcohol. So she created a group called MAD, which was Mothers Against Drink Driving, and ultimately created, uh, um, you know, this foundation that drove and strengthened the laws to prosecute those uh, who, who ultimately uh, drink alcohol and, um, you know, kill people on the roads. Next one. 
Ryan White, never heard of Ryan White, and he is not Mark Zuckerberg, even though seemingly having lived in America, I can tell you that most high school photos look pretty similar. Um, but but um, Ryan, unfortunately, had he was a hemophiliac, which means he, he's got this a disease where he has delayed blood clotting, you know, in a clotting of the blood. And during a transfusion, a blood transfusion, he unfortunately, um, you know, got AIDS. And um, his primary fight was to get equal treatment in public school system to expose the discrimination of, of those who had AIDS. Most people thought, you know, people with AIDS were primarily people who were sexually uh, promiscuous or, or drug users. And ultimately, he, he fought a good fight to really dismiss um, some of those um, sort of prejudices that one can have when you hear that someone has AIDS. Next one. Lily Ledbetter. Okay, never heard of Lily Ledbetter before. She worked for Goodyear for 20 years. After working for this company for 20 years, she realized that she was even though she did an equal job to most of her co-workers, which were men, uh, she was um, significantly underpaid. So she took them to court. She never won the battle, uh, but effectively um, later on um, in 2009, uh, Congress passed the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, which protected the rights of women in the workplace. So it still had a significant impact. Next one. Malala Yusuf Asai. Um, you know, what a phenomenal story. I think for most of us, we probably knew Rosa Parks and Malala, but Malala's father was a teacher. And um, so she got to, uh, she, she, she got exposed to education, obviously growing up in a, in a region um, where the Taliban unfortunately took over in 2008 and um, she effectively fought against the Taliban and said, hey, women have rights. And she got shot in the head uh, for her beliefs. And she ultimately survived. She uh, fled to the UK and was never silenced. She started a fund called the Malala Fund which is focused on making sure that all young women have the opportunity to have an education. Um, and I think she's the one of the youngest um, ever person to receive the Nobel Peace Prize at the age of 17. Next, next, next one. Irina Sendler. Wow, this is a great story. When the Nazis invaded Warsaw in 1939, she was 29 years old. And um, she pretended to be a, uh, a nurse. And she worked her way into the Warsaw ghetto. That's effectively where the Nazis kept all the Jews. And she worked with an organization called Zagota. And through her work, she saved about 3,000 Jewish children's lives. Eventually, she was caught and she was tortured, uh, but she never exposed, um, you know, the people that she protected. So, 
you know, here are ordinary people, um, pretty, pretty much ordinary um, lives, uh, you know, didn't come from significant wealth, uh, didn't, um, they had a conviction and they were passionate about something and ultimately went on to make an impact. And for some of you, you might be hearing of them for the first time, but the point is, is that they are normal people. Next slide. I love this quote uh, from Anita Roddick. For most of you, you probably don't know Anita Roddick, but you've probably been in one of her stores. She's the founder of the Body Shop um, retail outlet. So it says, if you think you're too small to have an impact, try going to bed with a mosquito. I must say, living in England, um, the mosquitoes aren't as aggressive as they were in Texas. Uh, but having lived in South Africa, I can tell you that if you are in the wrong place on an evening, um, it's amazing how this small little insect can totally um, destroy, destroy a good night's sleep. But the point is, is that all of us are making an impact, have made an impact, um, are going to make an impact, because that's what God's design is. But let's, let's turn our Bibles, if we could move to the next slide, uh, to the following scripture. If you've got a phone, uh, or if you just want to read on the screen, that's absolutely fine. In Acts 1, verse 1 to 14, Jesus is taken up to heaven. It says, um, in my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostle he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times and dates the father has set by his own authority but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and the cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you um, into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem um, from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those 
present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Right. This is, um, if you want to just click on the next action, Francois. So imagine, imagine being there and just, and just close your eyes for a moment. Imagine just being there. You've walked with Jesus for a period of three years. You've witnessed all his miracles and wonders. He's impacted your career. He's changed the trajectory of your focus. You watched him die on a cross. Then you doubted and probably had some thoughts of giving up. And then you believed again. And now he's leaving again. You know, so the question is, what are you going to do, Jesus? They asked him. Are you going to restore the kingdom? And he leaves them with one thing, the promise of the Holy Spirit. The fact that the Holy Spirit will uh, come upon them and they will be his witness to the ends of the earth. So my question is, how is it possible that a small town carpenter son who's never moved in a radius predominantly larger than 50 miles had the significant impact to the ends of the earth. You know, we all have and know of great rags to riches stories. We think of J.K. Rowling, who was a single mum, uh, who ended up penning um, the Harry Potter Philosopher's Stone and uh, has become significantly wealthy and impacted many people. We know of Jeff Bezos, and uh, despite what your opinions of him are, uh, you know, created um, an online bookstore, uh, which has ultimately just grown from strength to strength. And we can be inspired by these people, uh, or sometimes we can think of these people and feel slightly less important, uh, depends on our makeup. But I think for most people on this call, the reason why we're on this call is because we want to make an impact. You know, many of us have studied the scriptures and the, the concept of discipleship, when that really stuck with us, when we had that sort of moment of spiritual awareness, that we can be part of a mission that can actually make a difference in this world, and not a single moment difference, but an eternal difference, that we could see people's lives transformed. We can see marriages transformed, relationships transformed. We can see people's confidence shifting as they put their confidence in God. But here's the problem. We all have uh, the same tools as the fishermen of Galilee had. Uh, we have Jesus' words. We've got the accounts of all his miracles. 
Um, some of us have repented and we've surrendered our lives to Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, and yet our impact doesn't feel like our impact reaching the ends of the earth. So I don't know about you, but this pandemic has impacted a lot of people, especially mental health. And that's why I'm glad that one of the topics during this conference is about mental health. But, you know, not being, some people are extroverts and we need to engage with other people in relationships. And not having that interaction has almost impacted our confidence. We could get timid. We can be more self-aware. We can be too distracted by our careers. Um, maybe we, not, we don't feel like we've got much talent. But this morning, what I'd like to explore with you is three possible suggestions to how Jesus and his first disciples made an impact on this world that um, fundamentally has impacted every single person uh, on this call. And as I said in the beginning, what's, what's, what's become clear to me as I've studied this out is that it's got less to do with your ability than you think. If you can click to the next slide. Um, if you are, I should just ask if you are online, just make sure you put yourself on mute. So take a, take a look at John 14, verse 12. It says, and uh, it says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Okay, so Jesus is speaking to his, his disciples. Um, I don't know what you feel when you read the scripture, the fact that you have access to tools and to a relationship with God that will empower you to do even greater things. I've always been sort of skeptical. It's sort of, I, I feel good with the fact that, but, but there's, there's this difference between sort of getting it theoretically and actually truly believing and connecting with it. And uh, the three things I want to share with you is uh, the first one is remain in him. So if we could, if we could go to the next, uh, to the next slide. So if you are taking notes for those who do like, um, the first, uh, the first, the first uh, point is remain in him. So if you click so we can read the scripture, um, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. It must um, neither. Uh, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. 
you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit and apart from me, you can do nothing, okay? We've all read this scripture many, many times, but it's amazing that Jesus, Jesus's focus is about remaining in his father. And this concept of, you know, I grew up, uh, I went to boarding school in a, in, a, in a wine farm area in South Africa called Franchuk. So wherever you look, there was a vineyard. So this scripture really speaks to me because the, the farmers would prune the, the vineyards in, in winter. And ultimately the pruning, when they prune the vineyard, they look for, when they're pruning the vine specifically, they do not prune the, the buds that, that looks like it's going to bear the most fruit. So there's this concept of the vine is just stationary. It's just solid. It's founded. And, and ultimately, the, the one that's at work is at God, is, is God. And in, in this aspect, it's the farmer, which is, which is God. So not even Jesus himself is is actually doing the work. He's just remaining in God. So whatever your endeavor is, whether you want to have a successful career, whether you want to start a charity or support a charity or build a healthy ministry, um, build healthier friendships, marriage, you want to reach out to others, um, it's important that you really grasp that you can do nothing if you don't remain in God. So what does that actually mean? If you turn your, your Bible to uh, John 5, verse 19, it's not on the screen, so if you just turn on your phone, John 5, verse 19 reads, this is Jesus, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. <laughs> I mean, this is totally crazy. Um, this concept that Jesus, the son of God, recognizes that he cannot do anything by himself. And I giggle because I realize how independent I can be. Uh, when I think of, you know, trying to think about how I can do X, Y, and Z, um, and try and scrape by in my personal relationship with God, do the sort of bare minimums to take the box and, 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 and try and run this, run this race, when Jesus Christ himself says he can't do anything. You see, Jesus doesn't minister on his inherent power as the unique son of God. Rather, he spends his time with the father to know what the father is doing. I'll just quote these scriptures. Luke 4, verse 42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Luke 5, verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, verse 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray 
and he spent the night praying to God. Luke 9 verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked, who do the crowd say I am? He took Peter and James with him and went up to the mountain to pray in Luke 9 verse 28. Luke 11 verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. In Luke 22, verse 39 to 41, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching this place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed. You know, it's often difficult for Jesus to pray alone and to get away from people who are demanding things of him. You know, Jesus understands that we live in, um, sometimes we live in a square radius over the past two years of a few square meters between your bedroom and your home office. Very busy on Zoom calls, Zoom calls. But, but Jesus is busy and he, he makes the effort. You can see this is, the pattern of his life. In order for Jesus to bear fruit and have an impact, he knows that he needs to remain in his father's will. He's totally immersed in God, not his ability, not his talents, not his agenda. He's listening and he's praying. At this time, I think Anna's going to share a few, uh, a few, uh, few, a few words with us on the video. Hello from sunny South Africa. Um, yeah, I had to chuckle when I heard um, that our topic was living lives of impact or being people of impact or whatever. Um, I wasn't feeling quite like a person who was making a really big impact um, at the time when uh, when we got the when Francois um, asked us to to speak on this um, because I think my whole focus um, being somebody who uh, grew up in the church and also um, had a religious background is always so external. Um, I always tend to focus on how I should be and what I should do, and um, you know, if I if I'm this if I'm this person, if I say these things, or if I um, have this facial expression, or if I um, you know if I do if, if I sort of follow this formula, um, then people will listen, or then I'll I'll have an impact um, at work or with my friends or. Uh, with my children or anything um, and so uh, I think Jesus in this passage is just such a calling uh, for me in terms of um, his focus you know it was not what he was about at all um, he's not talking about um, what he should be he's not even thinking about oh if I you know sort of bend over this way and look the person in the eye then i'm going to you know he's not he's not focused on the externals he is just all about being plugged into 
that power source, uh, which was his father, uh, which was God, and um, who was God. And I just find that so incredibly inspiring. You know, the times that I've been the most fruitful, uh, and when I talk about fruitful, um, I don't mean, uh, you know, baptizing 20 people. I'm talking about being fruitful, um, which uh, if you think of the word is actually just bearing fruit in whatever endeavor uh, you are engaged in. So whether it's bearing fruit in your work um, or whether it is bearing fruit in your marriage or in your character um, and also, of course, bearing fruit in terms of um, you know, being on our mission and helping people. Um, but the times that I've been uh, the most fruitful as a disciple um, is actually when I've prayed and not just prayed, but obeyed. You know, Jesus's um, heart of obedience is so striking um, throughout the gospels. His absolute unity um, with God and how uh, it wasn't really about just doing his own thing because he knew it all but it was really being plugged into the power source and constantly checking with God in prayer that he was on the right track um, Jesus had a really obedient heart um, you know and, and I and I think for me that's so important it's no use to have a great quiet time and a, and a great prayer time in the morning um, and to pray, you know, God, please help me to have impact at work. And then I go to work, but I'm just stressed out. I don't talk to anybody because I'm so panicked about whether I'm going to get through my work. And so not actually being obedient in the moment um, to scriptures of do not be anxious or to trust him, um, you know, it's no use if I um, pray in the morning to have an impact and for God to show me people who are hurting and I can meet their need. But then when I'm in a situation where, you know, someone wants to quickly have a, a coffee with me, I'm too busy or I'm too moody. Um, you know, so um, that obedience has to follow in order for us to have the impact in the first place. Thanks, Francois. If you could move to the next slide. <clears throat> Great. So first primary point is you need to be remain plugged into God. Are you really are you really plugged in as Jesus was plugged in? Second one is in the spirit. So we read in Acts 1, verse 1 to 14, where Jesus says, hey, stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And um, he says, the spirit that he's going to give them is going to enable them to do greater things than, than he's ever done. And do, during this process, Jesus is teaching them about the power of the Trinity, and the fact that Jesus is going to be united with his father and he will give them the Holy Spirit. So my question to you is, do you believe the Holy Spirit 
enables you and me to do great things. I think most of us who've grown up in the church sort of believe it intellectually. And sometimes we've experienced it. You know, I've definitely, if I think of my church experience where I experienced the Holy Spirit the most is potentially when I'm doing worship. Um, Austin, um, when I was in the church in the Austin Church of Christ in Texas, they had a great, uh, a really great um, sort of um, worship team. And I, it was the first time I really felt like I connected with God in worship. And um, sometimes I'm prompted by the spirit when I'm making a big decision. I'm really trying to see if my conscience is being pricked. But in many ways, I limit the power of, of the Holy Spirit to those events. Um, I don't know if you remember the beginning of the pandemic, Malcolm Cox did a great lesson, you know, reminding us that we need to be led by the Spirit. My question to you at the beginning of this year is, what is the Spirit doing in your life right now? Where is the Spirit working? And are you willing to follow the Spirit? Look at the scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, it's on the screen, and for those who want to read, it says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And here's the encouraging part is we have received the Spirit from God, and therefore we can have the mind of Christ. As you read this verse, you'll begin to see how the Spirit helps us know God and know his heart. Okay, so for me, one of the big things is I need to let the spirit, I really need to be in a relationship with God to ultimately have um, a sensitive ear and a, a sensitive spirit to really trying to, to, to really understand God's heart. And the spirit is the connection between God's mind and yours. This is what the scripture is telling us. Now, of course, in the Old Testament, we read a lot about um, the saints, how the Spirit spoke to Moses and Samuel and David and Gideon. The difference was, was that the Spirit came upon them um, and, and, and spoke to them to sort of do a, a particular task. And the difference with us today is, is that we have the Spirit within us. It's a continuously... Uh, it's, it's continuous for all those who've been baptized and received the Spirit. So my question to you is, has God's Spirit been prompting you? And are you listening to it? But in order to make an impact, I think we need to be in the Spirit. Once again, we need to be in God. We need to therefore understand 
his heart and what his thoughts are. And then we can move on to the next slide. The third thing is once you're truly humble and you just got an intimate relationship with God and you truly plugged in to the spirit, then the next thing that I think we need in order to make an impact is love. Most of us know this scripture very well. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 5, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. The point in the scripture is the fact that you can do a lot of things. You can have your checklist of all the things that you're going to do this week to, to make an impact, but without love, it's meaningless. And I think in the current climate with everything going on, there's not been a greater need in my lifetime to love people. You know, ultimately, when God designed his master plan of reconciling the human back in a relationship with him, he didn't, he didn't create us and brainwash us to just love him by default. The way that he persuaded us was through love. That's what impacted us. When we, when we first realized what Christ had done for us, that moved us. You know, it's funny how in a love relationship like a marriage or even parenting relationship, you can think you love a person, but it's whether they feel, whether they feel loved. That's the real test. You know, we all, we all uh, like to be loved, and I think God calls us to love. When we look at Jesus, we've got to ask ourselves, why did every person that Jesus interacted with feel loved? When the Samaritan woman talked to him about her love, her relationship problems, he listened and he loved her. When the blind man called out to Jesus, he heard her, his plea to see again. When his mother told him, I need more wine, he listened and showed flexibility. My question to you is, are you listening to the needs of your colleagues, your brothers and sisters in the church? your spouse, your brother, your mother, the person in the street that might just look a bit off. Love. You know, it's really, um, I'm just conscious of time, so I'm going to move on. 
we did plan a breakout session, but we'll leave that as an action for you to think about later on in the day. So if we could move on to, um, yeah, the next slide. Um, if you could just move the box, there's a box over the scripture, Francois. So we can't see the, what's still over the scripture. There we go. Great. In John 12, verse 23 to 25, it says, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very, I tr uh, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life uh, will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, this is a well-known passage, and I think when we studied the Bible, there was this concept of we have to make Jesus Lord of our lives. And give up in some way, give up control. You know, um, my question to you is have you given up control or have you slowly but surely taken back control? I read some interesting statistics. An average adult spends 328 days socializing with friends during the course of their lifetime. 328 days. And an average adult spends 13 years and two months working. So 13 years and two months working, 328 days of full days of socializing. My question is, where do you spend time? Where can you drive the change? You know, the Spirit has set up some exciting opportunities for you in the workplace. My ask is, are you listening and are you meeting the needs? Do you even know who's hurting in your office or in your village or in your town? Maybe there's someone who's got uh, suicidal thoughts or maybe self-harm. We, we could see in the pandemic that you know, men aged 40 and over is the highest suicide rate. You know, it's, it's a tough time. People have lost their businesses, their livelihoods, everything. We can be the change, but we need to die to ourselves and forget about us. I think for some of us, we've so focused on our own careers establishing ourselves, making sure we've got financial security. You know, I can share with you that I've had all the sports cars, I've had the mansions on the hill with the pools, and it doesn't fill anything. It doesn't have an impact on anyone. I'm not suggesting that those things are wrong in themselves, but what I'm telling you is I think God has got much more planned for us. Last slide. 
So three things that I believe um, you need to focus on in 2022 if you really want to have an impact. The one is that you really need to remain in God. It's all about your relationship with him. That's all it's about. If you want to hear God's voice and feel his nudges, you must invest deeply in your relationship with God. This passage in Isaiah 6 verse 3 is, Hosea 6 verse 3 is, is convicting. So keep on trying to know God. I think some, some versions say press, press on the Lord. It's all about having that relationship with him. You know, there's big names in this world who are making big impacts. Yet Jesus impacted the world and it reached all of us. But his impact was powered by his communion with his father. And he teaches us that we have, uh, we cannot have an impact in any way without remaining in him through, through prayer and obedience. The disciples did extraordinary things because they followed the spirit. Pray for your willingness to go where the Holy Spirit takes you. And finally, let's really love people around us, our neighbors, our colleagues, and those who are less fortunate. So I leave you um, with these thoughts. You know, how is your communion with God? If Jesus Christ himself says he can't do anything, are you in him? Or do you give him the five minutes of your quiet time? The average adult in America spends 5.4 hours on their phone a day. I can put my hand up and say I'm one of them. How can I make an impact? Are you spirit led? And do you really love people? And maybe you need to ask the people whether they feel loved. Thank you very much. Uh, one of the things we were gonna do in the breakout session, and I'll just encourage you to do this, is um, maybe just think of the people who have impacted your life. Maybe phone them and say thank you. Send them a WhatsApp message. And what you'll realize is those people who really impacted your life probably aren't celebrities, uh, probably normal people who just stepped out in faith and loved you. But I wish you all the best for 2022. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you so much, Marlon.